Hello, and welcome to another edition of Cultural Conversations with the Big South. I'm your host, Darius Thigpen, and this month we're joined by a hooper, a coach, author, and personal growth guru. She is Aisha Foy. Aisha, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. It's an honor to, to, to be on this show. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Well, success is my major. That's the name of the book. And looking through your resume, it's littered with success from a two sport athlete in high school to first team all big south at Radford in basketball to a master's in sports administration and now Kentucky's director of recruiting and a coach both on and off the court. I guess my first question is how on earth have you found time to accomplish so much over the last decade really? Yeah, I would say um the the biggest thing would be sacrifice. I'm I'm not going to say I have everything figured out and I'm on top of everything the way that I should be, but um it's just about, you know, doing what you feel is your responsibility to do. Um, you know, when I was a student athlete, I felt like it was my responsibility to maximize the time that I had there. So I kind of took that same mentality into the way I live now is that, you know, I go to work and when I leave work, I'm, I'm doing something else. So, um, you know, I'm working on a different project or some other creative activity. So I just try to maximize the time that I have and um, knowing that, you know, we only have one life to live. So whatever you feel like you should get out to the world, whatever you feel like you need to accomplish, just go for it. Well, let's go back to your senior year at Radford. You're, you were killing it off the court, coming off of second team all-conference as a junior, going into your senior year, shooting the ball well from deep, you're averaging double figures, and then you tear your ACL. So you have to have your athletic career come to such a, an abrupt end while you were playing so well, especially. And for a lot of athletes, that can be devastating. So what kind of an effect did that injury have on you right away? Man, it was tough. Um, and one of the reasons it was tough was because I was 45 points away from um, reaching a 1,000 point goal. And that was something that I really wanted to do because I didn't get it in high school because of injury. So um, every game I'm counting down the points. Okay, I had about seven or eight games left. So um, not too much of what my average was already is what I needed. I was in a couple more games, I probably would have, um, you know, knocked it out. But it was it was tough, but at the same time, it wasn't devastating. And um, the reason why it wasn't as devastating is because um, the things that I were doing outside of basketball. Um, I know like when I had went down and the first thing I thought about was the meeting that I had to hold, um, which was a personal development meeting on campus because I had started a, a, a leadership development organization on campus. So we had, we had meetings every Monday. So my first thought was like, how am I gonna get to the meeting? Um, am I going to be on crutches and things like that? So um, it, it was definitely tough. And it, you know, and it's like, dang, man, if I would have did this, or if I would have did this, I would, I would be on that wall, which they got a wall of all the thousand point scores and, you know, in school history and things like that. But at the end of the day, I was already thinking beyond basketball. So, um, you know, it was kind of just, okay, let me focus on my recovery and let me focus on, um, you know, what's next. Well, it was a career ending injury in effect. And you just mentioned how you fell short of a, of a goal for on the court, but you did take the court one more time after the injury, taking the tip at home against in-state rival Longwood on senior day. 
I know it's still not the way you would want to end things, but getting back on the court for a moment, did that have an effect? Did that mean, what did that mean to you? Um, that moment was actually pretty sad. I mean, it was just like, dang, just limping off the court. And like my family came and my family didn't really know that I had gotten injured. So they're thinking that they're about to watch me play. Um, so what had happened was because it was senior day, um, they let me start and then play for like a second or two and walk out of bounds. So it was just like, wow, this is really happening. So, you know, it was kind of annoying to say the least, but, um, you know, it was, it was great to see the response from, you know, my family. Well, you did mention you had a plan for your post-playing career, which certainly helps with adjusting to life after being an athlete, I'd imagine. And for you, it was to go into coaching basketball. You enrolled in the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, So You Want to Be a Coach program. Now, what did that program do for you? Man, that program was absolutely um, everything. And I say that because that was the thing that kept me focused while I was in school. And also, you know, just kept me, when you're going from year to year, it just keeps you focused um, and you know you have a goal. Um, the, the crazy thing is, is that you need a recommendation from your head coach. Um, and I was going through a rough time before the season started. And part of me, I didn't even want to play my senior year. I came to a point where I didn't even want to play my senior year. And one of the reasons why I did stick with it, um, there were a lot of reasons to stick with it, but one of those reasons was because of that program. I'm like, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to try to get into the coaching profession, I can't quit before my senior year. That doesn't make any sense. How can I explain that in an interview? And also, how can I help? other student athletes through that process. And it was me knowing that I had that program to look forward to. It was me knowing that I needed a recommendation from my head coach. Um, you know, pretty much thinking ahead with my future was, is what got me, you know, just focusing like, okay, let me lock in and let me do what I need to do and, and kind of and get out of my feelings the way I'm feeling right now and just, and finish strong, so. Well, um, had, did you have uh, the, the post-playing career path kind of laid out before then or was it coming into your senior year with that program that really made you realize no this is what I want to do after basketball um so before I before I even took the court as a student athlete I knew I wanted to be a graduate assistant and um, I have a really good support system so I had a lot of people saying hey if you want to coach after you finish playing you need to be in the program you need to be in the program and that was starting from my freshman year of college, um, it was like, all right, so you wanna be a pro coach program, you need to be in it. So it had been something that I had been looking forward to, almost just like you look forward to graduation. So um, so yeah, I, I knew, I, I saw a player that I had grew up admiring and I saw that she was a graduate, she was on a bench after she just finished playing. And I was like, what is she doing? What is she doing? And then come to find out she was a graduate assistant. So that was kind of the goal. Um, at that point, I really didn't have a plan laid out um, before my senior year. Um, I had, you know, options and things like that, interviews, but um, it was because of that program was really, and that program wasn't until April after your senior year. So I didn't get an opportunity, a graduate assistant opportunity to August, um, but it was a plan that God had that was already laid out for me. I just didn't know. Um, but yeah, the say you want to be a coach program was always the goal. Well, aside from that program, one of the other parts that like really 
I'm sure helped out for you was was getting to get any hands on uh, experience and leadership and part of the Big South Leadership uh, Conference as a student athlete getting to go there and getting to speak. How, did, how much did that impact you getting the chance to really take on a a front facing leadership role like that? Yeah, um, it just it made a lot of things come full circle. Um, the when I was invited to come to the conference after my freshman season, that was when I really took hold and um, and really say, you know what, I'm going to use these next three years to truly maximize my opportunity and also do what I need to do to give back because I understood that I was blessed. And then um, we actually had a speaker. It was in 20, 2014. We had a speaker. His name was Manny Ohami and um, from Samaritan's Feet. And he was the guy that actually, that, that speaker that night in 2014 was actually um, what made me really realize that I was selling myself short. I wasn't giving um, all that I had. So to be there as a freshman um, and to really, that being the turning point of myself personally as a student athlete, and then to be able to go back and present, um, that was huge. It just felt like, you know, I, I'm the example, you know, starting from the bottom, you know, mentally or when it comes to leadership, because, you know, coming into college, I had no interest in leadership at all. So um, really taking myself and really challenging myself to become a great leader and then ending up in front of, ending up in front of them. And then as a speaker at that same event, it just made everything come full circle. Well, it comes full circle with the event, getting into the leadership conference from the prep that the program gave you as well with So You Want to Be a Coach. You then go into coaching as a graduate assistant at Southeast Missouri State while you're working toward your master's degree. So going back to trying to balance your life, how was that time managing coaching duties? You had other duties listed around social media, connecting with alumni while you're in the graduate program. How were those couple of years for you? Man, that was <laughs> that was probably the, the toughest two years of my life, being a graduate assistant. Um, and also working toward getting my master's. Um, you know, it's crazy. I worked, the head coach who hired me, um, she's a national championship coach. She worked at, she was assistant coach at Baylor when they went 40 and know her name is Rika Patterson. And um, she made it her business to make sure I understood what uh, it meant to be in this profession and also what it would take to succeed in the profession, especially as a black woman. So, um, you know, I could say that she was extra hard on me or she made sure I understood every nitpick detail. Um, and that's not a way that I was um, used to operating, um, especially being a steward athlete. Stuff is kind of like handed to you, kind of show up and you do things. And then not only getting into coaching where you have to prepare everything before the students get there, um, but also working for someone who is a super perfectionist and um, wanting you to do well, wanting you to meet that standard. It was it was very difficult, um, but I'm definitely grateful for the opportunity. And I feel like that allowed me to um, get a get a head start in my career, which is why I ended up at that after that I ended up at Kentucky is because of just what I was pushed to do and what, what I feel like I was being prepared to do. But but sticking with your time there, so you're saying that you were pushed and coach was was a little hard on you. I mean, did you understand that as like uh, tough love in the moment or were there some days where we kind of had to go back and forth? <laughs> I definitely understood it um, because at that point uh, I live by principle, take 100 percent responsibility. Um, 
So I understood it and I was up for the challenge. Now, was I prepared for the challenge? Not necessarily because I didn't have the, the habits and the systems in place for myself, but I, I never really resisted what she was trying to, um, you know, the challenge that she was trying to, you know, put me through and things like that. But I still, you know, fail over and over again just because of my, you know, nature and just, just being young and things like that. But I, I never really resisted it, but it was definitely tough to try and live up to. And it was, you know, just a lot, you know, disappointing times, feeling like you're failing, things like that. But I always, um, you know, knew there was a bigger picture and I always was up for the challenge. Well, the internal pressures, the external pressures, it refined you, it worked you, and you grinded out for a couple of seasons. And now as you are at the University of Kentucky, so would you say now being at UK, is this where things have all kind of come together? Is this kind of the culmination of all your hard work coming into fruition? Um, definitely when I got the job. Um, when I got the job, I was like, wow, um, I feel like, you know, all my hard work is paying off. But then at the same time, it was just the beginning. So it was like only only so long you can sit and say, oh my goodness, I'm so proud of myself because there's a work to do. Like, you know what I'm saying now? And also a, a thing I wanted to do, I wanted to prove, and this was, this was not a good thing that I did. I wanted to prove all the things I had shortcomings with as a graduate assistant. I wanted to try and make those strengths, which is not something I should have did. So I was kind of like, in defense mode or trying to prove things when I was already given an opportunity that was like perfect for me and, and what I needed. Um, so yeah, it, it was nice, you know, graduating and my family moved me to Kentucky. My first day there, I took pictures with the staff and it was awesome. But then soon after that, I just got to, I just got to rolling um, and focusing on the next mission. And that was to finish my book because I, I was in the process of writing a book as I was um, in graduate school. And I, I finished it probably two years into being in Kentucky. So that was a long process in itself. So I never felt really satisfied and I still really don't feel satisfied because I'm, um, because with the book now I'm launching membership programs. So there's always something, there's always something else before I feel like, you know, satisfied, but it's, it's definitely good to look back and see that your hard work is paying off. Well, well, sticking on the book, I mean, there are professional writers who never get a chance to write a book because it is such a cumbersome process. There's so many different journalists and, and, and people who write professionally who say, I'd love to write a book one day, but they just don't feel like they have the time for it to be able to consume so many different ideas and put it into one narrative. So for you to be able to focus all of that in, where did the inspiration to write in the first place come from? Uh, to get success is my major to get it on paper where where did that start for you um well the inspiration came from you know back when i was in college um going through my journey of figuring out my purpose or figuring out uh, what do i need to do to put my best foot forward you know you know when you're young and people are trying to tell you things for me i'm i'm very a direct communicator so if someone's telling me something and they're beating around the bush or then they can't give an in-depth explanation of a quote unquote behavior that I did or a way that I, way that, a way that I was being, um, I couldn't really accept it because I didn't understand it. So 
what books had did for me was books was able to, I was able to immerse myself in that material and really learn what these people were trying to tell me or what the things that I should have been learning or, you know, just about personal development in general. Um, so as I say in my book, I say the authors of these books became my best friends because that was the only time where I felt understood. And I, that was the only time where I felt like someone was taking the time to explain something to me and to really, you know, elaborate on an idea and not just say, oh, you hard-headed or, oh, you this, oh, you that. And it's like, well, one, you don't really have that time to explain your intentions and things like that. So the people, people who are trying to mold you, they don't understand. So, um, you know, books was played just a, a monumental, um, you know, role in my life. And I just felt like, I felt like I had to write it. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. It was nothing pleasurable about writing that book at all. Like it was, it was difficult, um, you know, but I feel like I had to, it was nothing that, could stop me from writing it, um, you know, sacrificing everything, sacrificing sleep, sacrificing different job opportunities because, you know, you go from a graduate assistant and thankfully opportunity at Kentucky came, but when you go for a graduate assistant, you're looking for a coaching position. I already knew that I, won't, I wasn't going to be able to finish this book and be able to coach full-time. I already knew that because I saw the lifestyle that my coaches were, um, the coaches that I was working with were living. So I was like, there's no way. Um, so, you know, the job coming up from Kentucky, that was a, you know, a sign and a blessing to be able to be on, to serve on a support staff and finish my book, um, before I really, really immersed myself into coaching. So, um, you know, it, it was just something that I felt like had to be done. Like when I look back at it and I go back and like, dang, really what I put myself through mentally, um, it was no way that I couldn't do it, to be honest with you. Well, you, you mentioned how tough a process it was uh, w without necessarily getting into too many details. What what did those tough days look like? Was it was it the days where you had to stay up late typing away, typing away because you had so much you wanted to get down and try to try to make the perfect uh, story or, or make the perfect analogy? Or was it those days where you just look at your screen, it's blank and you don't know what to put down? Like What, what were what were those tough days look like for you? Yeah, um, you know, it, it, I didn't have too much, too much writer's block. It was never really a time where I, I couldn't think about what I wanted to say. What what my what my issues or my hardships was was actually having the time to write, and then also like um, when you have a lot of ideas and you want to streamline those ideas in ways that are consumable, um, and also writing a book about personal development is difficult because it's like who are you to tell somebody how to live? So you like. It's, it's like a personal issue that you're going through. Like, okay, is this really true? Can I really put this in a book to say, hey, you should do this or take this advice here? So it was um, really the biggest thing was the organization of the material and also um, making sure that I did, the re I did enough research um, to be able to present this material, say, hey, this is something that you should um, consider doing. Um, so, you know, it was endless research. You know, I would say that, that was one of the things that was very time consuming is reading book after book after book to talk about one point, to hit, to hit home on one point. And then also, um, you know, just really digging deep about the stories that can match the point that you were trying, that, you know, that I was trying to convey. Well, I'm sure all of the authors who inspired you would be so proud to hear you say that 
you felt like they became your best friends. You were obviously the audience for those books. But for you, who's the audience for your book? Who did you write this for? I wrote this for um, someone who is trying to become the best version of themselves. Um, somebody who's ambitious and they just feel misunderstood. Like you have all these ideas, you, you want to make a difference, um, but you, you may feel lost or you may feel like, um, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I going toward my purpose? Or, you know, what do I need to do to get the experience that I, that I, that I need to accomplish my goal? I have this big goal, but I don't know how to get there. Um, you know, wh whatever, whatever you may be struggling with on your journey to self-actualization is, um, is who I wrote this book for, people who are, you know, on that journey. And they need to feel understood because nobody around them understands them or they need to get back aligned with what they're supposed to be doing to make sure that they are, um, you know, maximizing their lives as well. Now you, you referenced it earlier, but you've done master classes on majoring and success recently, helping to walk through the principles you cover in the book. How have these sessions gone? Um, I've done two so far. Um, it's, it's been something that I when I get feedback from the reader or if I see, and also myself, I'm, I'm my first customer. So um, I enjoy listening to authors talk about or elaborate on points. Um, so, when, but when I hear my readers say, oh, I got questions about this. I stopped because I wanted to ask you about this or I didn't even get to the book or I haven't opened the books. Okay, what can I bring to the reader or to the consumer of this material to help them one, get through the information and also, you know, be able to ask questions and interact. So they've, they've been extremely well. Um, you know, I've been excited to present the material because again, the most, the hardest part of the book was putting, getting the material concise. So to be able to present it was awesome. And then also to get the feedback from people saying, you know, it's great content. I feel like you're speaking to me. Um, this book was written for me and things like that, or, you know, that lesson or that point that you made um, really hit home for me. So um, they've been great. And I love getting that type of feedback because that's why I, I keep going. And for you in this, it's not just you as one voice of authority, but there's a diverse team apart to make uh, this come into uh, reality, to make this all happen. And how important for you is it during this journey as a coach, as an author, as a leader to work with others who are heading in the same direction and to have people who are who are going in the same direction to also be a part of your team absolutely it's the ultimate extra credit and then i say whoever said there are no shortcuts to success lie and one of those shortcuts to success is getting good people around you because if you haven't been somewhere or if you need help getting somewhere the best thing to do is get somebody on your team that can help you get there so um you know, building those relationships and being vulnerable enough to let people know, hey, I need help or to ask for help and things like that is um, is super important and is important to anything that you do. So, you know, I felt like, you know, I, I had to get good people on my team and, and thankfully people was willing to help me. All right. Well, one big question I think a lot of people want to know, uh, why should people take the time to work on themselves and their professional and their personal development, especially now when there, there are so many different things pulling at people all the time. Why is it so important to prioritize working on yourself? Absolutely, um, my favorite question. Um, and the thing about it is, 
like wh whatever goals that you have in life, whatever you're trying to do, they won't they won't ever like go above what you can what you can do, what you can, um, you know, handle at that time, you know, and life is not about necessarily what you do is about like who you become. So when you become who you need to become, you're going to get what you want to get and you're going to do what you want to do and have what you want. You know, it's called the, the be, do, have principle that I learned from Tony Robbins. It's like, if you become something, then you can do whatever you're trying to do and have whatever you're trying to have in life. And a lot of times hiccups or, you know, failures or roadblocks come because of something, some personal error. And if you can take the time to really take it, take the time to develop yourself, those personal errors will be limited. Or of course, nobody's perfect. However, you'll know exactly what, what you need to fix or you'll know exactly where you went wrong. Um, one of the big motivations for my book, it was that I went to a conference and I was in a conference with a bunch of administrators and, you know, they was asked to sit down and, you know, we was all in there together, asked to sit down and write about yourself. What do you want in life? Not about your organization, not about the team, but about you. And they, they struggled to answer the question. And I thought that was very, you know, interesting is that, you know, 40 plus age women who are in charge of these huge athletic departments don't know themselves or, you know, struggling to deal with things within themselves. And for me, you know, for me in life, I, I need examples. So how can you help me through something that you haven't overcame yourself? You can go so far, you can work or you can be in front of people and leadership, especially who you are, you're affecting your team. You're affecting the people that you are leading. Um, and that's my real motivation for personal development is not because I just want to be this great person or anything like that. It's just that when you become a leader, people are leaning on you and it's not just about showing up. It's showing up the best version of yourself, because if you just show up, go through the motions and you don't know why, how you end up in a situation, you're leading other people to end up nowhere as well. So it's like, a, a personal error or being blindsided by something or not understanding your blind spots, you can ruin and speaking specifically the lives of student athletes, you can ruin a student athlete's life if you get in that head coach's position or in a leadership position and you don't know yourself. Um, you know, and I've seen it happen. Um, you know, a personal error or me or not thinking straight or not being truly aligned with your values, you make a decision that impacts a student athlete's life you know, and they, they, they need to ask for. So, you know, I just think it's very imperative to develop yourself, especially, I mean, just in general, no matter what you're doing, because your success is like, your success in life isn't going to exceed who you are personally, but also when it comes to leadership, you can't lead people to places that you, ha that you haven't been. You can't ask people, and this is big in coaching, you can't ask people to do things that you aren't willing to do. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, for me, it's just all about setting an example. And, you know, one thing that I will not do is ask somebody to do something or ask somebody to go somewhere that I haven't been myself. And I think that's so key that you were able to just tie it back into coaching. Um, so we can bring this conversation full circle. When you do take these principles for working on yourself and apply it to coaching, what does that look like for your players? What does that look like when, when you're having one-on-one -on -one conversations with them? to be the best version of themselves? 
Absolutely. Um, one thing, one of my goals is when I'm when I am a coach and when I'm a head coach is that I don't want to put no pressure on the players as far as for myself or my personal career goals, right? I want to feel as though I am truly shepherding them to become their best selves. Now, there are a lot of coaches that do that, but also there's a lot of coaches that are trying to get there themselves. So, you know, it's going to, I feel like, or one thing that I hope to do is cultivate a lot of patience um, when I'm dealing with my players or when I'm dealing with somebody who doesn't want to listen or somebody who's struggling is that being able to understand them, but also push them and also let them know, let them know honest feedback without me feeling like my job is at risk or, you know what I'm saying? And yes, that's difficult to do as a, you know, the nature of our, our profession is you got to win. However, if I'm comfortable with what I'm doing or I'm comfortable with my purpose and things like that, and I know, and I know that person can get from point A to point B, I don't feel that pressure. So, um, you know, when I am, when I am a coach, it's all going to be about personal development. You know, every lesson, every thing we talk about in practice is all going to be starting with, you know, taking responsibility for your actions and then asking yourself, you know, if you want to accomplish this goal, what do you need to do to get there? Um, you know, and it's pretty much as simple as that, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, and, and a big thing as well is I, I feel like in my experience and me watching coaches now is a big thing is just setting the example. Like if you have a good example, if your coach is demonstrating with, if, if the coach is demonstrating how you, how, what they're asking other people, then that's half the battle, if not 75% of the battle. So, you know, you probably hear about coaches asking their co players to do things and they don't even have their stuff in line or, you know, it was all with bad intention or maybe it wasn't with bad intention, but it wasn't with pure intention. And, you know, I think that's, that's more detrimental than any other um, error that can happen when it comes to leadership. So, you know, I just feel like, when you can lead by example and with everything that you're asking your team or your player to do, you are demonstrating on a consistent basis. You don't have, you know, any worries, you know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna say you don't have any worries at all, but that pressure and that, um, you know, that, that rugged fight is, is diminished. It's literally you trying to lead a group of people to where they're trying to go, not to where you're trying to take them. Cause those are two different things. Success is my major is the name of the book. Aisha, how can anyone who wants to get a copy get their hands on it? Yeah, so if you want to get a copy of my book, you can go to success is successmajorbook.com. Um, and then you can order a book there. You can also go to success major masterclass if you want to join um, my masterclass series. And also if you want to learn about my um, programs, my personal development programs, you can go to successmajormotivation.com. And if you don't remember any of that and you like, what in the world, I just want to ask you questions or, you know, tell me again what that thing was. You can follow me on Instagram, um, Aisha Foy, and just shoot me a DM and I can send you those links um, to all those things. So, Aisha, could you give the people a little bit of a taste? What, what would you say is like the one lesson that should be like the takeaway from the book? Um, the, the biggest takeaway is it, it all begins with who you want to be. 
and then it's this journey getting you back to who you want to be. So, you know, you choose a major in college because you want to end goal, you want a good job, whatever the case may be. But when you're majoring success and when you're following the blueprint that I lay out, it's all about being the best version of yourself. So it's just about dig, digging deeper and understanding yourself better. And when you when you do that, you know, you can conquer the world. Now, as we wrap up, I'd like to make sure that we promote what our guests are working on outside of the book. Any charities, organizations that you would like to highlight? Uh, who would you like to shout out, Aisha? Sam Ohami, um, Samaritan's Feet organization, because that was the organization that he was a CEO who came and spoke at the Big South Conference, Samaritan'sFeet.org. Um, you know, I, I did a, a fundraiser for them when I was a sophomore in college, and that was the first step to me just branching outside myself and trying to do things for other people. So um, that man and that organization will always, you know, have a dear place in my heart because that was what got me going when it comes to trying to develop myself and give back to other people. And for me, as always, I like to shout out the Black Play-by-Play -play Scholarship and Grant Fund. The fund is a scholarship opportunity for Black college students interested in learning the art of sports play-by-play -play and is a growing network that young Black broadcasters will be able to rely on as they get started in their careers to make sure that we can see and hear representation in the broadcast booth as well. Now for you, coming from the Big South, being there as a part of the leadership conference as a freshman to now University of Kentucky Assistant Women's Basketball Director of Recruiting and Inspirational Speaker, Aisha Foy, I really appreciate your time and I truly appreciate the insight you brought today. Absolutely. I enjoyed being with you again. It was an honor being in you guys' presence. Big South Conference so where is where it all started for me and my growth journey. So um, this, this conversation has been a, a blessing. It's been a blast. Thank you, viewers, for tuning in to Cultural Conversations with the Big South, and we'll see you next time.